Welcome to the Launchpad Jamf Admin Podcast hosted by Rocketman, where we keep you on the cutting edge of what's happening in the world of Apple and Jamf administration. Starting with the Launchpad Times, we bring your Apple and Jamf news down to earth and then go into a keynote where we take a deep dive into a relevant topic. Thank you, everybody, for joining the Rocketman Launchpad Meetup for Jamf Admins. We appreciate you all being here. Um, for these meetups, if this is your first time, I, I see mostly familiar faces, so I apologize for going through the spiel again. Um, but for all of our meetups, we like to try and keep them collaborative. We like to try and keep them um, as casual as possible. It's about the content. We, we try not to do any sort of dog and pony shows. So to that note, if you have any questions, comments, um, if we ever say anything wrong, please feel free to raise your hand, throw it in the chat, cut us off, whatever you are comfortable with. Uh, we try to keep these casual. We try to keep them focused on the content. Um, first things first, we will be going through the gravity times where your Apple news and rumors are always down to earth. And then after that, uh, Hugo from Rocketman will be presenting patch management with Jamf app installers, what we've learned. And for that presentation, we have Justin Clark and also Bill Smith from Jamf that will be doing a Q&A. So please, uh, this is your chance to ask some questions behind the curtains when we get to that uh, get to that that point. But starting off, Chris Shazi will be leading us through the Gravity Times, which I see cool. now has been changed to the Launchpad Times. I was going to say, Eric, uh, this will be the first time we correct you because marketing decided to change it to Launchpad Times without telling anyone. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, Perfect. This is the Launchpad Times, where your news is always down to earth. So in this segment, we're going to go through all the latest Apple and Jamf updates. Um, so these are the latest versions of iOS, iPadOS, Ventura, and Monterey that we see today. Um, last month, we were on 13.2, and now we had a very important point release, which Many different cybersecurity teams notified us, like, hey, we need to get these app, these Macs up to date right away. Um, so make sure if you haven't pushed out this update yet, you push it out soon. I think it's another WebKit up to, uh, exploit that they sent a patch for. Um, that's the only thing I've seen on the Apple um, side of updates, but does anyone else see anything that we missed in the last month? I do have one question um, regarding the uh, software update on, on the Macs. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone else have noticed um, for machines that haven't restarted uh, often or within a uh, earlier time frame. Um, I've seen where uh, more than a few Macs not seeing the software update until they either reboot their Macs or they have to uh, restart the software update service. I don't know if, if anyone else has seen that in their environment. Yeah, I think unfortunately we see that with every update on the Macs. Um, you know, we keep hearing that <laughs> Mac OS updates are getting better and they just seem to be getting worse and less consistent. Uh, so we've been kind of seeing a lot of stuff across the board. And yeah, as mentioned in the chat, the mass actions um, have not been everything we hoped and dreamed they would be. For sure, it is. Uh, it's definitely, and <laughs> with Ventura, I would say things have gotten even worse. Um, and we're we're actually still trying to figure out what exactly is happening with with some of our low adoption rates. Gotcha. Thanks for the sanity check. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know, Hugo, do you have any more you want to add to that? I've just noticed basically a 50% success rate. And this is through like Apple's update feature within system settings, right? Yep. This is this is not through some convoluted workflow. This is through Mac's native software updates. So I've yeah. noticed 50% success rate through a few restarts. Um, you know, this is without any configuration profile restrictions. This is like no restrictions software. Like this is just generic Mac OS having issues. So yeah, I, I've noticed about 50 to 60% success rate. Which despite what they say in the chat is not good. <laughs> it's not a good success rate. It's not what we shoot, but should be shooting for. No, we shoot for 95%. Yeah, that's, that's usually what we shoot for with anything else. But I feel like macOS updates has been just a moving target. Like every every new release that comes out, we're like, okay, we're ready for this. And then we go to do it. And it's like, how did this change again? <laughs> it just seems like, or or there's just other things that have always been around. Like, oh, our web proxy is blocking it. Um, so we have to completely remove the web proxy in order to get this update to go through, which is not an easy task. So yeah, we've, we've run into everything across the board. Um, I'm going to move on unless anyone has anything else they want to talk about. Cool. And we'll go over Jamf updates. Now we'll go through this pretty briefly because Hugo is going to actually talk a lot on what a lot of these updates because they have to do with app installers. Uh, but a couple things I wanted to point out is app installer notifications. So this was available before, but you had to do a custom configuration profile. And now they have built it into the GUI. So Hugo will go over this more in his presentation on what this looks like. And then we also have auto configuration profiles for app installers. Um, this kind of goes along with the same thing where if you want to use the GUI version of deploying these, uh, you need to deploy the supporting configuration profiles as well. However, there's some caveats with it, especially if you were deploying it manually, which Hugo will also go through in the presentation. Um, that's what I've seen in the last 10.44 release. Uh, there was actually just a dot release too that came out. That was a little bit of a security or um, more of a maintenance update. Uh, but does anyone else have any other Jamf updates that I missed? Awesome, awesome. And then last part of this segment is gonna be feature requests. Uh, we have a lot of people on this meeting right now. So if you have a really good feature request that you want upvoted, please throw it in the chat and we'll all take a look at it. If you want to talk about one, you can too. Um, otherwise, I'll hand it off to Hugo to go ahead I've with a specific one that I posted. Uh, this is Vlad Weinstein, by the way. Um, oh, hey. I already posted an idea, so I don't have to chat too much about it, but it's essentially the customization, if it's possible, of the sync notification for Jamf Connect. If that's ever possible. I know this is not about an app installers, but just shining a light. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can talk about that. So um, you threw, is that the one you just threw in the chat? That is not me, but I can. Or is that, jo oh, that's well. Joseph English. Yeah, if you want to throw it in the chat, we can all take a look at it. Um, sure. Can you explain more what that is? Yeah, it's uh, so currently we just, uh, our organization just got Champ Connect. We got all set up. It's awesome. We got uh, branding everywhere. But when a user's uh, IDP password, so in this case we use Okta, is out of sync with their local password, the notification for that is essentially the default Jamf Connect application 
popping up notification with the Jamf Connect branding and the Jamf Connect title with ah. a generic message that says your IDP password is out of sync with your local uh, Mac's password and so on. Um, so it's just to an admin, we know what this is, but to the end user, this is kind of foreign, it's unbranded and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's so you just want to be able to modify that notification to brand it and to retitle it from Jamf Connect to something more familiar, maybe, or even just to customize the message, really. Cool. Yeah, if you have a feature request for that, throw that in the chat. I think that's a really good signing in right now. Uh, Since we have, you know, some heavy hitters like Bill Smith here, um, just wanted to reach out and see if there's any custom ways to do that that we don't know of. Unfortunately not. That's actually been something we've brought inside as well. Uh, so vote it up. Get all of your friends to vote it up. Uh, have your grandmother sign up for Jamf Nation. Vote it up. Uh, we'd like to see this too. The one I threw in there is like almost 10 years old. Um, I'm sure you've all seen it. Some of you have probably already uploaded it over the years, but it's just to be able to shuffle and rearrange the inventory display. It's just such a simple thing that's just such a headache <laughs> yeah yeah that would be really nice they made it so you can drag the the columns but you can't move them which is oh there we go found it. so i'm gonna post it now i think i've already uh gotten a, a bunch of upvotes which is nice so i guess at some point it would be nice to get someone to check it out yeah, I'd love to upload that. I will do that as soon as I get out of this, so I'm not taken off of the presentation. The last one is a random question. It's not too random, but from the login window, which is at this point rarely seen because we also make use of pass-through, um, but when it is seen on logout, on the bottom right, it's a small thing, but it is a, bit, a big thing. It says, powered by Jamf, and I love Jamf. Developers are awesome. You guys are awesome. Um, but the bosses are asking, why are we advertising Jamf on the login window? So I'm just curious if this was, uh, if there's consideration for possibly editing this or removing it in the future. I can't necessarily promise anything, but again, that's also been brought inside as well. Uh, anybody internal to Jamf, I've kind of learned over the t over time who's been a former admin these bother the same types of folks. I, I was a former admin, so I can say that I don't like that either. However, uh, I have to speak on behalf of Jamf, so all I can say is those decisions are made at a higher level. And uh, unless we actually have something that, like, a, again, a feature request saying, I want to get rid of this and it's voted up fairly well, that won't be prioritized. So again, extremely important to vote. And one thing I would like to uh, kind of mention, by the way, uh, obviously product issues are going to be some of the first things that we prioritize because we need to fix things as opposed to undoing things like that powered by Jamf. And we have something internal called a QIS score. It just stands for Quality uh, Impact Score. How much does it impact the user? Your feature requests affect that QIS score. So that's why we keep harping on that feature request voted up feature request voted up because uh, everything now unfortunately in the world of software is guided by metrics and we need those metrics to make the case
That's really good to know. Thanks for the clarification. Yep. Even more reasons to call your grandmother, get her on the line, and get her into <laughs> Champ Nation. Yeah. It might take All a five or six of your grandmothers. To, yeah, might take a couple hours to teach her how to create the account, but then you're good to go. Those are a couple hours she would love to spend with you all. I, I assure you. <laughs> All right, great. Well, feel free to drop any other feature requests into the chat. Um, we might even create a list of them and put them in our Slack workspace after this, because I've seen a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, there's. I'm quite going a few. to turn the reins over to Hugo. All right. As Eric introduced earlier, we are, our main presentation is about the Jamf App Catalog, the app installer service, and what we've learned. So. My name is Hugo Mediato. I'm a senior Jamf engineer here at Rocketman. And as introduced, we have some special guests from Jamf. We have Justin Clark. He is a director of product strategy. As you've heard, we've had Bill Smith, partner program manager. And we also have Duncan McCracken, who is a principal architect. He was a late add to this meeting, so we don't have his image up here. Uh, but these gentlemen are all a part of teams that are behind the driving force of the Jamf app catalog. So at the end of this presentation, uh, we're going to have a Q&A answering some of the questions that the community has asked. Uh, so what is the Jamf app catalog, right? Well, it's just that. It's a catalog of applications that Jamf packages and deploys on our behalf, right? Taking the heavy lifting off of our shoulders as Mac admins and adding it as a readily available resource within the Jamf Pro dashboard. The Jamf app catalog launched uh, one year ago this month in March, 2022 as a technical preview in Jamf Pro version 10.37. So where we're at now running Jamf Pro uh, 10.44 in this demonstration, which is releasing today, if I'm not mistaken, and over the next few days. Uh, but we're just gonna set up a basic app installer configuration for those who are unaware. Um, very simple, in your Jamf Pro dashboard, you select the computers tab, you select the Mac options or Mac apps option, Select next in the top right-hand corner of your window. Select Jamf App Catalog from the app resource. Select next. And here's a list of all the applications available in the catalog. We're gonna be demonstrating Zoom client for meetings today. I'm gonna go ahead and click add. And here's the payload. Here you can select the site, the category, and the target group. Uh, it's important to note that the target group must be a smart computer group. And for the basic configuration, that is it. It's that simple. So from the end user's perspective, right, we're going to pretend this end user is in a meeting right now. The Zoom process is active, but note the version number. We're running 5.12.9. User's meeting ends. Say, oh, I'm going to close Zoom. I'll wait five or 10 minutes, you know, until my next meeting. But right now in the background, oh, right now in the background, um, the Zoom is actually queued up to install the update. And it happens this fast. They quit the application. If they were to open it five seconds later, note the version number. It's already on 5.13.7. Um, it's that easy. It's that fast. It's that efficient. But it's become more robust over the year. right? So what exactly is happening behind the scenes here? The requirements are you must have a Jamf Cloud hosted server. You must have a Jamf Cloud distribution point. You must have your cloud services connection established, and it's for macOS only. How it's working is everything's deployed through an MDM command. 
So Jamf will deploy a temporary launch daemon, right? It's waiting for the application to close before installing if necessary. This daemon is located locally on the machine in the library launch daemon's directory. And as stated, it's only a temporary daemon. So once the installation process has commenced and completed, Jamf removes the daemon from that directory. Packages are sent with the install enterprise application MDM command. And these, or these packages are temporarily located on the machine in the library application support Jamf app installers directory. Again, this is temporary. Once the installation is commenced and completed, Jamf removes it from that directory. Notification settings are also sent through an MDM command through a configuration profile with the notification payload configured. Now let's take a look at that. Let's take a deep dive into Jamf and take a look at the user notification setup. As Chris stated previously, uh, we're gonna dive into this. We'll go ahead to the Zoom client for meetings, payload, open up edit mode. And it's important to note here, the configuration profile for additional settings, right? Once this is enabled, Jamf is now going to create a custom notification payload for this application and deploy it in a configuration profile to the end user's computer so that notifications for Zoom are enabled and they will present themselves as necessary. So let's take a look at the user notification tab. Here's where we can create a custom notification frequency. Choose as much as you want, and hours, days, or weeks, whatever you want. For this, I'm gonna set one hour. We can configure our custom notification message. For this, I'm just gonna type in Zoom requires an update. I will note, I'm gonna advise to add a little bit more later. Here we can enable our user deferral limit, right? I'm gonna set this to one hour, but for something like Zoom, we might want two or three hours to give them time to get out of the meeting. And here we can, we can write our custom force quit message. So once the application quits, It'll send in a notification like, hey, Zoom is successfully updated. So they're not overwhelmingly alarmed that, hey, what the heck, my, my Zoom application just quit, right? I will add a little bit of notation to that here in our end user experience as well. So from the end user's perspective, right? Zoom's open, they're in a meeting. Take note, they're running an older version of Zoom. While this is occurring, oh, hey, Zoom requires an update. So let's pause, let's take a look at this notification for a second. Previously stated, I, I was gonna advise we should add a little more to this notification. We are testing rigorously uh, since we just got the 1044 beta, but I would advise you add a little bit more to this, um, you know, Zoom requires an update, the application will close, right? Hours remaining one. That way they know is, hey, this application is gonna close in one hour. Another thing to note is the icon. This is expected behavior. This is a generic icon populated for Zoom. Some of the other applications will have their native application icon presented here in the notification. But as we continue, right, one hour goes by, it's an hour later, the application closes, and then they, they're gonna get that notification. My mistake recording this video, I was like I said, I was testing a ton, so my configuration profiles got stacked, but that's where you'll see that notification come in, say, hey, Zoom updated successfully. They'll go ahead and open it, take a look at the versioning, 
at the time of this recording, right? 5.13.10 is the latest version available for Zoom. So now we'll, like I was mentioning all those logs and those configuration profiles stacking, and we'll just take a little bit more of a deep dive into what's going on here. First, we're gonna start with the, uh, the app installer metadata. On the left side of the window here, you can see that we have the application name, publisher, bundle ID, version, package publish date, architecture, minimum OS. Very thankful for Jamf including all this stuff, right? So we know that the package publish date, that's when Jamf added this. We know that the architecture is universal, which is very important. And we know the minimum OS is 10.10. Um, I sure no, hope no one's running 10.10 in their environment, but I digress. Uh, the center column, we have the media source URL. Now this is the URL that Jamf originally procured the package from. They include the developer's media hash for the package and hash type, and then they include their package size. And then they confirm that, hey, Jamf is the signing identity for this package since they repackaged it. And in the right column, they provide their hash, their hash type for security, of course. And then also what else is included with this application? You get the launch daemon, you can get your custom notification, and you get your built-in auto updates disabled. And this is important to note as well, built-in auto updates disabled, for example, because this is disabling the application's native auto update feature allowing the JF app catalog and the app installer service to completely control the update workflow for said application. Now we'll take a look at the deployment status. Again, very straightforward. We have installed in progress and failed over here on the left side of the window and then unqualified. You know, for Zoom, for example, if someone happens to be running Mavericks or 10.9 in, in their environment, Sorry, you're out of luck. You can't get the latest version of Zoom. Another important thing to note is the logs for app installers. Like, where are these, right? So Jamf was very kind. And when you want to look at a computer's deployment status and look at the logs, they take you directly to the management tab of their computer inventory record. This isn't necessarily where we want to look for all the logs but this will show you what's pending and failed. We wanna look at the history tab and the management history to go over all the, the logs that the app installers has actually pushed. So in here, you'll see a bunch of install configuration profiles, remove configuration profiles. You'll get the installed application list. These are all MDM commands that the app installer service is pushing. This is where you're gonna to wanna to look if something isn't installing or something's hung up or, the application didn't update in the timeframe you expected. Another important command to note is the actual install enterprise application command. Here you see the Zoom client for meeting, version 5.13.10 is on the screen. If you've configured a computer to receive this and you're not seeing this install enterprise application command for said application, you know this is where you're gonna realize that that's a problem. Okay, why isn't this sending? then you can rebuild the application, the app catalog and deploy again, hopefully figure it out. Some other considerations regarding the Jamf app catalog is, is the limitations, right? So for example, if a computer is removed from the scope of an application payload you configured within the Jamf app catalog, it does not delete the app locally on the machine. 
But if the computer remains in scope of the application payload configured within the Jamf app catalog, but the app is removed, it doesn't automatically reinstall it. However, the next time the application is updated by Jamf within the Jamf app catalog, it will deploy the app back to the machine and reinstall it. Currently, uh, there's no support for self-service and we can also can't control when the deployment happens, right? So there's no custom trigger within uh, the, the application payload like there is, for example, with a policy. Because this is an MDM command, we can't use the Jamf binary to install everything. Here's a list of all the applications that are available. Now take note that like, you know, Adobe CC has got a ton, right? Microsoft Office has a ton. This is also available on Jamf's website in their learning hub. And you can come here and you can see when all the applications are available and they do a very good job at updating this page. Some notable applications that aren't available, however, right, we've got some VPN apps, some endpoint apps, some other apps. Uh, granted, these might be controlled by that application's specific dashboard, their own auto-update features, uh, but there are some very important applications that aren't yet available or won't be available within the Jamf app catalog. Now we have our Q&A with Jamf. Gentlemen, are you ready? Got a nod from Bill. Yeah. Yes, Justin's yes, going to be am. doing most of the talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> First big question received is how do you ensure that place you're pulling the package from is secure um i'll i'll answer that so to give a bit of background to to what's happening um we actually have a bunch of automation that is running uh multiple times an hour that is hitting the vendors websites and, and checking to see if new versions exist we then um first of all pull that new media um, down through a security tool. Oh, sorry, I'm about to lose my voice, everyone. Ugh. And then that gets checked for uh, malware and you know other you know exploits before it even hits our, our test environment. Once it hits our test environment, the, the team pull that apart, create a new patch definition, and then publish that to our test our test instances. The media then gets converted into app installer media. We do an install and check that the patch definition picks up the new version. We then publish that version to patch. So you should actually see new versions appear in patch before you'll see them appear in app installers because of this extra testing that we have to do. Then the team um, do a couple of deployments with that app installer deployment. Our test gear has security tools like Jamf Protect running on it. So we can actually check that the live code is secure, not just, you know, the, the see if there's any malware in it. And it's only after the app installer behaves as expected and that it's passed all the security checks that we will then publish it to app installers. So generally that can happen that normally the app installer deployment normally happens within 
a couple of hours of a patch definition being published. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of manual Q&A that happens. All right. Hopefully that answers that well enough. <laughs> it certainly does. Next question is, um, will we be able to control when the application gets initially installed? It's, so as you explained earlier in the presentation, because we're not using the Jamf management framework to trigger the installs, we're using MDM. We have to work around all of the constraints that MDM provides, one of which is we never know when the command is going to get issued to the machine. So we don't have the fine grained control over the installation experience that we do if we're using the Jamf management framework. Having said that, it's, um, I've spoken to uh, lots of customers and this is very common feedback that we, we get back. So we, it is in our roadmap is how we could address this. So I, I, can't say, I can't say today how we will or, or when we will, but we are currently, we're always looking at ways that we can provide more controls to the installation behavior while still working within the constraints that MDM gives us. So not today. Yeah, and after talking to Justin about this, um, I'm, we're going to try to see if, because we have a, a provisioning process where we really like to control when things are happening for many different reasons. But, and, you know, I'm going to try in the next couple months to see if we can utilize the current app installers to kind of work within our current process. Um, might be difficult with Depth Notify and like configuring applications and stuff like that, but it's it's something I'm thinking about. Our next question is, will we be able to use this with self-service at some point? We kind of know the answer already. So, so yes, now I've already seen, I've already seen this pop up a number of times in the chat. So um, at JNUC last year, during the keynote, we, we mentioned that self-service support would be coming to app installers by the middle of this year. Um, we're on track. So, um, like everything with software development until that actually is shipped and out the door, I, I, uh, it doesn't exist. Um, but we are now that the end user notification UI stuff is shipped, it, it's pretty much what the team is working on. So, uh, it will be the, the next feature that comes with app installers is the ability to push, um, an app install appointment to self-service. The, the one thing that I will explain at now is to help set the expectations around it it's the behavior of the initial install so you'll either be able to push an app out as you currently do via the smart group scoping or you will be able to publish it to self-service for the opt-in install from that point on the rest of the workflow will stay the same as in once it's on the user's machine App installers will keep it updated using the um, the end user notification settings that you've published and that sort of stuff. So it's that first step on how it gets to the user's machine. But it is coming. Um, it will be here by media. Very excited for that. Last is a really big question. Um, 
you know, it says, what's the timeline for adding all 800 software titles? Or, I mean, is there a timeline? I, you guys have a lot going on. So, so the JamFap catalog, um, to just add a little bit of extra context to a um, statement you made earlier in the presentation. App Catalog is our catalog of data about third-party software titles and their versioning. So that feeds multiple workflows. So we've got the the over 800 live titles in App Catalog that we um, use in our patch management feature area. And then there's a subset of those which we use in App Installers. Um, I can't, there are titles that we may not be able to add as as app installers that we can add as patch management titles. There's a number of, of different reasons for that. Um, some of which are technical, some of which are not technical, which I, I won't go into too much. Um, but our we will try, we are continually adding new titles. That, that page that you linked to earlier, which is the release, not only does it have the complete list, but we have a release history. So you can see what titles we add and when. Um, we are focused on growing as many titles to be available in app installers as possible. Um, but we may not ever be able to have every title that we have available for patch management available as an app installer, unfortunately. Makes total sense. Thank you for that. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll start reading some questions here from chat. I'm going to scroll up as far as I can. Looks like Mike asks, so if the user runs up that time limit regarding the user notification, force quit deferral, is there any other communication to the user other than the app abruptly quitting on them? Yes. Um, so there, uh, it's, it's, there's a feature about the end user notifications that unfortunately is not in the UI that's covered in our documentation. Um, so in the Jamf Pro admin guide for 1044, there's some extra information there. There are two default messages that are baked into the packages that you, so you don't have to create the default message. So if you just, um, if you, even with your manually, uh, created profiles that have existed that you might've pushed out since September. The default message that we have in there is, there is an update available for this application, please quit to update. So that that default behavior, even without setting a, a recurrence timeline will happen once a day. If you've manually enabled the notifications and, and or if you've gone in and now used our auto thing. So you can set a custom frequency and you don't have to supply a default message. That is the default message that we will supply. If you enable the deadline, we also have a default message that gets enabled, which is when you hit uh, right before we quit the, the message, uh, we will say uh, this application will now quit to perform the um, update. So we will give um, the user a very short um, notification period before we just quit the app. It doesn't just quit without the notification being um, being shown. Well, that definitely and you can that. override those um, using the two fields within the UI. You can override those messages if you want to with, with whatever you want them to be. Okay. But there are default messages there. We have a question from Keith Myers. 
he's asking about how about making the packages and profiles downloadable for on-prem because this is cloud only. So is there any future plans for on-prem? Um, not currently. The, the, the This is another feature request that already has a lot of upvotes. So but by all means to all of the on-prem customers, um, uh, upvote that that on-prem request. The, there are projects um, that exist um, that are being written by other teams and that sort of stuff that uh, for infrastructure that is is part of Jamf Cloud that we are using and, and in some cases intend to use to continue to improve the, the distribution mechanisms that we have. So there are components of the solution that rely on infrastructure in Jamf Cloud. So it's, it's one of the reasons why it is restricted to, to being a Jamf Cloud product for Jamf Cloud customers um, only. Actually, if you if you scroll to the bottom, that that is where those default messages and um, some example pictures of the what you can expect for the what the notifications look like there, down there. So there you go. Quitting this app to complete the installation is the default message um, before the force quit happens. Go ahead and stop sharing and dive into these questions here. Do we have any more questions? Looks like we have. Is there any plans to make it so when a device is unscoped from an app that it will then force remove the application or provide um, a checkbox to allow this behavior if I wanted? The, the, the second behavior would be the one that we would go with because different customers have different workflows. So um, that exists in our backlog as a, potential future product idea. Um, I actually don't think that a feature request exists for that. So, you know, again, riffing on what Bill said earlier about, you know, how QIS scores and roadmap prioritization and that sort of thing. Um, I would love to see that one um, logged as a feature request. It has come up a few times in customer interviews that I've done, but please, please log as a feature request. I can guarantee you that the app installer feature requests are being like all Jam feature requests are being looked at, but given that I personally look at the app installer ones, um, I, I hand in my heart can can say that they're being looked at. So, if we provided that option, it would be with a with a checkbox so that you you have the choice as to whether uh, to what happens if um an end user deletes that app and that sort of stuff. We would we would ensure that the behaviour is as the admin expected. Um, Self-service, I think, will go a little way to help um, this because if the if the end user accidentally deletes it, they'll be able to re-add a, a title back in via self-service if you've published it in that self-service. But um, some customers don't want the app to auto redeploy, others do. So hence why that checkbox would be there if and when that feature ends up appearing.
Looks like we have one another good question here from Rob Blount. It says, what would cause an app installer to show as a failure? And are there any plans to better handle failure, such as an automatic retry? Yes, that very good question and a, a great opportunity to explain a slight difference in the terminology between app installers and patch management. So with app installers, our installed status, it, we're using MDM terminology, but it actually doesn't mean that the app is installed in the user space. So installed to us means that the enterprise install application MDM command was able to successfully complete, download and queue up the, the update in that um, jam, the application support folder that you, that you showed earlier. So at that point, the app installer service um, is hands off because it is provided everything to the end user computer to actually perform the installation. So we mark that as installed in app installers. Patch management might still show that as being an older version because if unless they've quit the application, then that new version hasn't installed. So in the other status in app install, so failures is that MDM command currently uh, prior to 1044, um, we sent that install enterprise application MDM command out uh, and then after six hours, if we haven't had a confirmation back that it's successfully completed, we send it again. Another six hours after that, if it hasn't successfully completed, we send it again. If that third try on our next probe um, still hasn't successfully completed, we mark it as failed. So they time out after 24 hours after the first command. Now we understand that that's problematic because if you've got some updates that get pushed out on a Friday, for example, and you're... Um, end users have hopefully switched off for the weekend and, and shut their laptops and enjoying their weekends, every command that got issued on that Friday will time out and be failed. So what we've done in 1044 um, is with our, these, audit, these uh, end user notification profiles, any deployment that uses our profile, we put an additional check in place. So we check to see that if our profile has been successfully installed on the machine first before we send the install enterprise application MDM command. So what that, the hypothesis that we have is that if a machine is able to successfully respond and say, yes, I've got that config profile, that it must be online. And in which case it's safe to send the install enterprise application MDM command, that check doesn't exist if you're not using our profile. Now, uh, very soon, that behavior will be um, further refined. And we actually, when we send, um, we send a, the install application list MDM command out to end user computers to, to work out what version of machines, that, what, what versions of software they've got installed on the machine to see if they need an update. We're gonna have the same check in there. So if we've issued an um, installed application list MDM command to end user computers, we will only then send an install command once they've responded to that application list command. So again, if they're responding, we're making the assumption that they're online so it's safe to move forward with the install. Um, if we don't get responses to that, then the 
application, the deployment will just be in progress. So what this means is that you might see a lot more installations in progress, but you won't have to do anything about it. So like if that person's gone on holidays for a week, when they come back and their machine finally responds and then moves forward, the install will actually happen. So with 10.44, the improvement has already, has already come through for any profiles of ours that you're using. And in a future version, which will be very soon, without putting a version number on it, um, that will improve even more because we will start putting those checks in on the install application list command. You are knocking these out, Justin, I'll tell you what. Um, there's a lot of questions in here. I'm trying to catch up everyone. So I have one from Scott Johnson. Um, his question is, any plans to allow customization, parentheses, with scripts or additional packages of app installers? Uh, we custom, he says, we custom configure Zoom for our users at initial installation. But we need, we may need to put out, push out a new custom config in conjunction with a particular new version. Uh, again, I'm replying to what I said before about the future behavior about, you know, should they redeploy? Um, this one again, uh, is very much in our backlog of something, an issue that we would like to solve. Um, like I said earlier, because we don't have the fine-grained control over the installation um, process that we do with the Jamf management framework, it's not going to be an easy one to solve because with MDM, you don't know in what order things are going to get there. So say, for example, with a post-install script, um, we, we don't currently have a way of issuing the install command via MDM and a post-install script and know that they're going to get there in the right order. So um, I know I'm going to harp on this a bit. Um, please, please submit a feature request for that. We're aware of the requirements and the reason why that is an important um, step. And it will be... Everything's always solvable. It will be a challenge with MDM to, to work out how we will queue that up. Um, but it's definitely a business need that we're aware of. Yeah, and I'll chime in and say uh, one, one potential workaround for something like that. If you need configurations installed after Zoom is installed, is you can set up a policy or a configuration profile if you're doing it that way to install once, you know, scope it just to they have the application Zoom. Um, not the best workflow, but that could work in the interim. Um, I'm glad you jumped in there because I do, when we designed app installers, we designed it to be an, the easy option to install and then update software. So in our mind, it was the smart groups would be you know, particular groups that needed apps. So whether that be the marketing department for creative apps or, or whatever. Um, I will be honest, um, I didn't envisage that people would push software out via other mechanisms and then use their smart group criteria as has application app, app name as their smart group criteria so that app installers was only used for the patching component, um, which is cool and works. It wasn't how I envisaged it would work. But that, that is a workaround in these instances because you could use a traditional policy that gives you all of that fine-grained control, 
for doing your customization and then just have um, your smart group criteria of has that app and then app installers can keep it updated from that point on. The downside to that approach is you still have to manually grab an installer, upload it to your distribution point and link it to your policy. And there's still all of that manual work at, at the front, which with app installers, we were hoping to remove. But that is a workaround for those, for if you've got applications that you know you need that requirement for at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, just let app installers update them from that point on. Well, uh, we're getting towards the end of our time, and I want to make sure we uh, we let Justin get back to his Saturday. Um, but we'll we'll take a couple more questions. Uh, if anyone has a couple more things they want to ask, feel free to just jump in and ask too. You don't need to put it in the chat. Uh, I got a question regarding uh, possibility of having the option for deployment rings or waves. That way, we can uh, stage our deployments versus just doing it all at once. Another good question. Uh, so yes, something that doesn't exist within app installers at the moment is the is the ability to do that or or to have a manual approval process from you know latest version versus approved version. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record again. This has come up uh, before, and uh, it's definitely something that we're looking at on how we could implement. Again, I actually don't think this one exists as a feature request, even though I've, I've had it mentioned a couple of times. Please log it. Um, we, uh, would you, I'm now going to ask a question back to you. Would you want an automatic period where new, like what Microsoft would probably do with their apps where they have a rolling out phase and um, so latest and rolling out. Would you want to manually approve each version or would you want to say set a time limit that um, after seven days or 14 days or whatever that this this update is just okay to automatically roll out? Yeah, more automatic, right? We'll, we'll set like, let's say three rings and, you know, the first ring gets the update, you know, two days after it's deployed uh, or when it's in Japan sellers. The second ring gets it in four days and the third ring gets it in, in five days or seven days automatically. Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, nothing to announce yet. We're aware of that that requirement and why. Um, uh, please, please submit it as a feature request. Cool. Uh, one more question. If anyone else would like to ask anything to Justin or the rest of the team, I'd like to ask a question about Adobe. Adobe for Education, all those packages are super exciting. But when I go in to build the packages, I have to choose whether I'm using a named user or device-based in education. So what are you putting in there? It says Adobe Photoshop. So what what do you, what package is it? Does it matter now that everybody has to log into Adobe? Does it even matter? But now is the perfect opportunity to me to invite Duncan to actually answer a question since uh, <laughs> uh, he's actually the the brain that's behind particularly the the packaging component. So the Adobe licensing mechanism comes up um, a lot and I would do a really poor job of answering that properly. So Duncan, I throw it open to you to answer the licensing question for Adobe apps. Oh, 
he's just Slack messaged me to say his internet connection just dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> um, whilst I stall um, for him to come back online. Uh, he tells me he'll be back online in 90 seconds. Um, great timing. The So... I know that with uh, the, the licensing mechanism that you can push that out separately. So um, whether you're using the device-based licensing or shared device licensing, you can push out the licensing payload separately. It does mean that you would need to, not via app installers, you would need to push that out via a, a policy and, and, and the scoping group, but you should be able to use our app installer media with both licensing mechanisms. It's just that it, the, the one that requires that shared licensing profile, that licensing uh, mechanism, the, let, uh, now I'm getting tongue-tied, the licensing profile will need to be manually pushed out to those machines that use that mechanism. All right, so I don't push anything out. I just create the package and I choose one and then the user logs in. So I don't know, like in Microsoft, in the volume licensing, I know I push out the serialized package to get that to work. And I'm so excited that that's going to now work once I install it and I can push out the serializer once and all the updates will work. So that's huge. And I'm hoping Adobe is going to work the same way that it doesn't really matter what version I have. It's based on the licensing that's designated to the user now because Adobe doesn't let us um, we don't really push anything out anymore. It's all about um, the user logging in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Duncan has just messaged me to say he's now able to jump back in. So, oh, good. so, Dunk, please answer the question about the Adobe licensing and the 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 two different mechanisms that we support. You're muted, Duncan. Yeah. Um, it's really. Really simple. All of the packages we make for the applications themselves uh, have a named license setup. And if you create an SDL license in the Adobe Admin Console, just the license package itself and push that out, the app installer packages will honor that. They don't stomp the existing license if it's already been pushed out there. So, Duncan, do you want to push out that license before? Uh, sending the app installer like we can, it can be there before the application is installed um i believe you can do that i don't think it makes any difference as long as it detects that it's there um because the sdl license when it comes out of the adobe admin console typically has the creative cloud desktop app in it and a bunch of other stuff that gets laid down um that the app installers don't mess with Does that answer your question, Debbie? I think so. I don't typically push anything out. I just go into the to the admin console panel and choose single named user or device based, and then build a package to push it out. I don't push out anything additionally. So based on what you're saying, you're pushing out the named device packages. Yes. Um, which is so what you would do in this case is to go into the admin console. Yeah. Um, choose SDL and create a package, but add no applications to it. Um, and that will spit out an app, like that will spit out a package that has the license in it. Okay. 
And, and in Debbie's instance, though, I think you're not using the shared device license mechanism, are you? You just to go back to just in case to uh, whilst Duncan was offline, which licensing mechanism are you using in your environment? Are you using the shared device when you create the package versus a named user? We use the named user, correct me if I'm wrong, Duncan. The ones we're using are the named user. Named. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, with that, we're hitting the end of our time, and I want to respect everyone's time. So uh, we're going to shut down the questions at this point. But thank you so much, Justin, for joining us. Um, I don't know if we properly introduced Justin at the beginning, but he actually came to us from Mandata, uh, which was through the Kenobi um, acquisition. And I'll have to say that ever since that acquisition went through and all those patch management software titles got in there, I've seen great things that you and your team were doing. So thanks so much for joining us on this call and all the, the help you've done to make Jamf even better. You're, you're welcome. And also Duncan. So Duncan and I were the co-founders of Mondata. So Duncan oh. and I joined, uh, both came as part of that, that acquisition. So um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Duncan. <laughs> no worries. I do the nerdy things in the background. <laughs> It's uh, it, it's very bold of you guys, and we really appreciate you guys putting yourselves on the hot seat here. Um, you never know what kind of questions you're going to get. So I think that was very, very cool to be able to get the, the Q&A back and forth with you guys and put you guys on the spot like that. And I, I think you handled everything with, with a ton of grace. So thank you guys so much for stepping up to that challenge. I thought you guys knocked it out of the park. Um, we are at the, the end of our hour here. So thank you, everyone, for coming to the Launchpad uh, Jamf admin meetup hosted by Rocketman. We will be doing another one on the first Friday of next month. Um, hopefully we'll be doing these, you know, in perpetuity. Um, but thank you everyone for coming. We don't have a ton of time, so we'll go ahead and we'll cut it short here um, and hope to see you all back next month. Thank you for joining us today. We have new episodes on the first Friday of every month. If you'd like to join our session live, visit the link in the description to get on our mailing list. And if you're looking to get the most out of your Jamf server, visit rocketman.tech to set up a meeting with one of our Jamf experts. That's rocketman.tech.